0: Welcome to another episode of Awe and Wonder AAC podcast from the Special Education Technology Center. I'm Sarah Kinsella here with Brenda Del Monte. Hi. Hi. We're so excited to have um, two special guests today talking about inclusionary practices, which is our topic for the day. So here we have Erica Marsh and Katie Herzberg. Um, Erica, do you want to start with um, an introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then also tell us about um, the population you serve and what that service delivery model looks like.
1: Sure. I spent my first four years teaching in a special needs preschool with a reverse mainstreaming model. And as I was working on my master's in CrossCAT special education, I then transitioned over to um, a K-6 elementary school. And I've actually been there for 16 years. This is my 16th year teaching in the exact same classroom at the same school. Wow. And my students have a a moderate or profound cognitive delay. And I'd like to say that it's an assumed delay because this is based on standardized testing. And so whenever I go into inclusion or Speaking with the general education teachers and even the classmates, I always like to say we give we give them the benefit of the doubt always in what they understand and what we're going to include them in. I think that's a basis for my philosophy in mainstreaming and the limits that I'm 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 pushing for my students in the in general education.
0: Love it. Awesome. And what ages did you say, Erica? Sorry.
1: So I'm at an elementary school right now, and K-6, and um, I've moved around between the younger K-3 and then the older 3-6, but I've been um, pretty stable with the 3-6 for the last few years.
0: Okay. 3rd 3-6. Yeah. Thanks. Katie, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I
2: teach fifth grade currently. Um, I have taught third, fourth, and fifth grade. Um, I actually have a bit of a special education background. Um, I worked um, at a special education preschool. Um, I also, while I was going through college, I was a a para for students um, in high school, and I helped them with uh, out in the community job training, life skills, Um, and then I went, as I was going through ASU, um, I got my elementary education degree, and um, so this blending these two populations is, um, it's something that's just second nature to me at this point. And I've been teaching yeah. for 17 years.
0: 17 years, and you're a general, general ed teacher right now. Yes. Um, and we have you two on today because um, you're doing, you're, you have inclusion working in, in your classrooms, um, you have, some students, but Katie, I'm just curious, how many years have you kind of been doing, and Erica, same question, have you been doing this inclusionary model? Is this a new thing or is it, you've been doing it for a long time?
1: Erica, do you wanna go first? Sure, I've been doing it since day one and I think working in the preschool where we had like the reverse mainstreaming model really inspired me once I moved to the elementary school to continue that. And I actually, to this day, still do mainstreaming and reverse mainstreaming into my classroom.
3: So what's the difference between Um, mainstreaming and reverse mainstreaming?
1: So mainstreaming is when our students go out into the general education classroom. And reverse mainstreaming is when they come into our classroom. And there's benefits to both. When Mm -hmm. they come into our classroom, of course, it can be a little bit more casual. We can... Um, teach lessons that really include um, all the kids that are in the classroom. So it's a little bit more personal when we bring kids into our classroom. And then I think it's also very interesting for them to have that perspective of what happens when they leave their gen ed class and they go to more of like a resource or specialized
2: classroom.
0: Got it. Katie, um, what about you?
2: So actually, uh, Eric and I were just talking about this before break. Um, I Started working at the same school as Erica in um, 2009, and um, this uh, population has my heart always has, and um, I was always like, hey, I'm like open to you know mainstreaming kids mm-hmm. whenever. Um, and I know that uh, Erica, she absolutely does a beautiful job of looking at um, the teachers' classroom and then looking at the students that she's hoping to mainstream. So actually the student that I had last year and also um, the year prior, the same student, um, because I looped from fourth to fifth, so I got to keep that same student um, for two years, which was incredible. Um, And it was actually the first time um, that I had a full mainstream student in my classroom. She had sent in, I know we had done um, maybe like for like a read aloud or things like that over the year, but uh, so I guess that would be two years ago because this is my third year. Um, I have a different student this year um, that I had like, I got to have my own student from Mrs. Marshall's room.
0: <laughs> full-time, is that what you're saying? Yes. And okay. Full,
2: full-time meaning like, like they were assigned
0: me. so Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That must have been exciting for someone who's saying, Hey, I'm open to doing some inclusion. <laughs> yeah.
1: that was actually my first memory of Miss Herzberg was I was walking around campus many, many years ago and she recognized one of my students and she was like, I know him. I had him in preschool. So I always yeah. knew about her background. And that was like, that's the first thing I remember of you is that interaction that we had that you had had that experience. So why we waited so long for the magic to happen. I'm not sure, but we're here
2: now.
3: You (laughs) got to get the potion.
2: You got to get the potion just right. You got to stir it up and get it just right.
3: So, um, we invited you on because I have known Miss Marsh now for, um, I'm going to go five or six years now where I was seeing a person at home, who has a complex body and he, um, uses eye gaze to communicate. And I remember meeting you, Erica, and you were saying, um, I remember explaining, you know, he's super smart. He has sight words. He knows his letters. He, he, you know, he says, you know, all these things on his device. And you were like, I'm going to be straight with you. I don't think I've ever had someone come into kindergarten with that many AAC skills. Like, and it was, this will be new for me, you know? And I was thinking about this last night as I was preparing for this, because I was thinking about how refreshing that was for you to, um, just admit like, Hey, I've never done, I don't think, I don't know if you'd done eye gaze high tech before. And I know you hadn't had someone walking in with that much cognitive competency that was already kind of proven through the, through the AAC device. And he's complex in lots of ways, but, um, I loved, first of all, you just admitting like, yeah, I don't know about this. And then also you were like, so this will be fun because Mm -hmm. this is also what I know about you is like, you're not backing down. I mean, hard, you know, hard behavioral issues, challenging um, AAC systems, surely challenging medical situations. And of course all of COVID in in that too. But I mean, I've, I'm in her classroom off and on and, and the neighboring classrooms, because um, it's near my area. So I just, I know a lot of the kids in those classrooms. And um, you've gone from like classrooms where everyone has high tech to a year where it's like almost everyone has no high tech. And you have figured out how to do communication with whatever they're doing, right. If they, if they're, they're not functionally verbal, but the family's not pursuing anything high tech, then you're, you're gonna, you're gonna be like, okay, we haven't done that before, but I'm up for it. (laughs) Cause that's just kind of how you are.
1: Brenda, you just mentioned COVID and not backing down. And I want to point this out that that was the first year that Katie started, um, with one of my students that I was mainstreaming And we weren't backing down. We were not able to put our class, our students, into other classrooms because of regulations. And so they weren't mixing any classrooms. Did I freeze?
3: Yeah, but we can hear you fine. Okay.
1: So we weren't, at that time, able to mix students in any classrooms. There was no crossover. And we just didn't back down, like you just said. And every single one of my students mainstreamed virtually. That means the Jenna teacher on their end had to share their Google Classroom with me. We coordinated times, and we got the kids virtually into their classrooms. And Katie, that's a tough way to get started with mainstreaming. And she, for the student that she had for the... Oh,
2: Erica, your voice just dropped off. Oh
3: no. Well, hold on, Erica. Uh- <laughs> Hold on, hold on, because we can't hear you. Are you muted?
1: No, she's not muted. No, am I back? Okay, you're back.
3: Okay, so, so you said you had just said that's a tough um, year to get started, Katie, Mm -hmm. and then your voice dropped off.
1: Yes. So, um, well, and we'll get into this later. How how I go about approaching a teacher. Katie was not difficult to approach. Um, There's definitely skill now that I've acquired and mistakes that I've made to get to this point. But when we were doing that virtual mainstreaming, Katie made sure that the student had a copy of the book, that he had the communication cards he needed, that he was following along and she would ask ask him questions and he would even answer questions using his eye gaze device and the class could hear it. So his device and him were projected up on the big screen. And so like the whole class could see what he was doing at the same time. And we were able to start from yeah. our kids into the classroom. I so that
0: was that. so your kids, some of the kids were in class and he was home. Is that what I'm understanding?
1: No, all the students were they were in my classroom, mm-hmm. but we weren't allowed to mix groups of kids. So my kids couldn't go into the
0: general oh. classroom. Um, okay, so they, yeah. he was in your class doing this
1: so projected yeah, we were, like, in Katie. we were a few doors away, and we were ha- having to do the spiritual. <laughs> oh
0: my <laughs> goodness! Main inclusion by any means possible.
3: Yes, yes. amazing. Well, it let's was, let's back oh, okay. up around that though, because I want to know um, what 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 are the tricks of the trade to get a teacher um, involved. I I I know that there's no arm twisting with. Katie, but, but what have you learned? So what I've learned,
1: and -hmm. it's embarrassing at the beginning, I would go to a teacher and like, okay, I'm so sorry. I have this kid, I put him in your room. It's, it's not going to be a lot of work. I just need to get them in there for a special and for for maybe like maybe a calendar. And of course the response really mimicked or mirrored how I was approaching it. I got the job done. They got to go to a special, they got to show up and be a guest and then come back. And then as time progressed, I started to change my mindset on, when I approached the teacher, I would even have a cheat sheet already made with their picture, a little bit about them, how they communicate, what their abilities or limitations are, and even what their goals are. And just a couple of words about it so that if they wanted to incorporate some goals in the classroom, they could. And so then I started approaching it more as, I have this great opportunity. Mm. Um, I have a student who's really going to be the perfect fit for your classroom. And if it's a new teacher that has never done this, I will recognize that. And I will say to get started, all you're going to do is welcome them in. I'm going to do a meet and greet. It is just as informative for the teacher as it is for the students in the class. And I will always tell the class, like, I am, I am this student's voice. I ask them ahead of time, what can I share? Or I ask the parents, what can I share? And so I'm speaking on behalf of them. And I'm going to do my best to answer questions based on how well I know them and how they would want to share information with you. And the kids' hands are up over and over with questions. The teacher has questions. And right there, that breaks the ice. There's no mystery to it. They are able to ask their questions and I mean, I've had really personal questions that I can't answer. I'm like, well, your parent wouldn't share with the class, like mm-hmm. how you go to the bathroom
0: mm-hmm. or
1: the question. And they're innocent questions. They're all good questions. Yeah. But like, how do you, how do the kids move? How do we, how do you lift them and stuff like that? Um, and then I I start off with saying they, they need their own desk. I want to create this image so that it becomes very real that they're not a guest, that they are a part of your class. This is a huge success for this year. Every single one of my students starts out when the bell rings with homeroom. And I feel like that just is such a powerful message that they are a part of that class. And then some of them are able to go back during the day and then conclude the day. And so, yes, they leave for resource, but they are really they're part of that class, just as much
2: as they are a part of my mm-hmm. class. But other kids, I mean, think about it, Erica, like other kids leave for resource throughout our day too. Like, you know, the, the Gen Ed students that are receiving services. Um, I don't know if you're gonna include this, but you did an amazing program a couple years ago where you literally took your group of kids and you traveled from classroom to classroom to classroom and you let us know about all of the assistive devices and and um i still am flabbergasted at that awesome scissor sort of thing that that dad created for you with the button coolest thing ever mm-hmm. um and um but that really spoke to the students and i think even the teachers that were resistant like that you that you went out and did that. So I hope I didn't just steal your thunder. Um, You you know what, I don't, I'm not sure if I
1: even would have thought to mention that that was on an even bigger scale because Mm -hmm. I wasn't just targeting the classrooms that my students went into. Um, We were like successfully moving our way through every single grade level. So even if that particular classroom in that grade didn't have the great opportunity of having a student mainstreaming with them, they all had, they all had some sort of exposure and my students we would i mean we did we had rolling carts eventually we started bringing kids into our classroom because it made it like a little bit easier but mm-hmm. so like we were on wheels and my students and cam the, the the student that that katie had he he would always be the one to break the ice he had his eye gaze device and he would just go right to it he'd say his name i use my device To communicate my favorite actor is and then he would like show off one of his eye gaze games and like and i would draw connections throughout it like i would say like who likes to play video games and then we'd get him on his video game page and he was like showing them how he did it with his eyes
3: but you showed all kinds of things you were showing single message buttons step-by-step switch adapted toys i mean it was basically a little lesson on assistive technology wow Yeah. Brenda, were you there for one of those? I, I was definitely, um, some of those kids therapists. And I remember having, having at one point showed you some of those things. So, you you know, so there was a lot of pieces about that, that I, that I loved. And I forgot to now remind me, did you do a training per grade level or per classroom?
1: So at first it was per classroom. And then we started doing, two classrooms at a time. That's when we started inviting them into my room because we could fit two in there at once. But at first, like we were traveling from classroom to classroom. And I mean, it gained some recognition throughout the district. And we were just doing this on our own. Like no no one had instructed us to do this. And before we knew it, like the principal was coming, the Dean was coming, then they're inviting like the superintendent of education, like, You know, they'd always give me heads up when we were having guests coming. And so at one point, like in our heyday, we had a lot of district people there, too, coming to observe these lessons.
3: And give a give a perspective, because um, depending on where you are in Washington, there's a lot of really small schools. But like how many students are in your elementary school?
1: Katie, 700,
3: 800. Uh, Yeah, I think we're we're close to 800 right now. I mean there's some big elementary schools down here. There's there's 3, 4 and 5 cl- g- classrooms per grade sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I mean that is a lot of kids and think about just the long-term impact, right? When I was 7, I learned that people could talk using devices from this late this crazy lady Miss Marsh. <laughs> Even if they didn't have the benefit of an, of an experiencing inclusion Um, the rest of the elementary, this is not the first time that they were given the opportunity to view a person that's not, doesn't physically look like them or isn't able to communicate verbally right off the bat in a different way. And I I loved everything about that. I love that.
2: The recognizability, I'm sorry, the recognizability of the, of student to student, um, you know, as the teachers would walk their students across campus, they now knew these students. Like whether you had one of these students mainstream in your room or not, you now knew like, you know, we would wave and talk to and like pause on the sidewalk as they were as they were traveling to, you know, their adaptive PE classes or wherever they might be going. And, and the kids now knew Miss Marsh's kids. Yeah. 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 Katie, that's that's exactly what
0: I was thinking about is that student to student piece and that whole just like me factor, right? oh, you like video games. I like video games. This mm. is, we've got a lot in common. And um, yeah. So to-
3: tell, us, um, tell us how you incorporated um, challenging things, Katie, physically challenging things in your classroom where um, where most people are using some fine motor skills with their hands to do an activity. What are things you did to adapt the curriculum to include your first boy that you had for fourth and fifth grade, and um, and then I have I have to have you talk about science camp. <laughs> okay.
2: Oh, science camp. Well, that was the best thing ever. Um, that was such a success. Um, okay. So you asked me about the the physical ways that we yeah adapted. So, um, as Erica mentioned, we started during COVID, and we were um, that student was joining us for our literature studies. So, um, and that student was listening um, and seeing my students. So um, we have a doc camera. And so during that time when we couldn't be in the same room, um, I would take that camera, stand it straight up and point it towards my class. And my students would be like, no, it was on that group last time, yesterday. Like, mm-hmm. you no, know, he didn't get to see us. And, and they're all seeing him on this giant screen, um, mm-hmm. which was amazing for them. But we, they all wanted to be in, they all wanted him to be seeing them. Um, And so that's how it started. I would, um, uh, as I knew what I was going to be reading that day, I would be um, coming up with questions that I could ask um, him, obviously, like through our video chat, just like we're doing now. Um, And the hard part about that for me was without his assistive board, um, and I'm sorry if I don't, is that not the right term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His assistive board, um, I felt like I was kind of limited a little bit to more yes or no um, type questions. Um, That was really, um, even though we were not even in the same room, the connection, um, in in the book we were reading, um, this particular student that I was mainstreaming, has, first of all, like the funniest sense of humor. And like every boy his age, um, any sort of like potty jokes, or I don't know if I can say this on here, but like anything like with farting or whatever, like he would just laugh and laugh and laugh. And there were some things in this book as we were reading about these kids and my kids got to see him just completely understand the, the comedic, you know, part of this book mm-hmm. was a great connection factor. Um, then the following year, when we were able to bring him into our classroom, um, again, he was coming in for read aloud. Um, using his um, assistant board, we were able to get more in-depth questions. Um, we then, I had asked Erica, hey, could he start staying for like our writing project that comes after um, Our read aloud. And she was like, Yeah, uh, like you're okay with that. And I was like, Yes, I I have some ideas of how I think that we can include him in some of our journaling projects. Um, And so we would, um, I paired him up with different students, but I definitely had a core group of students that were um, very patient, very um, inclusive, and they, would read his board for him like they would ask him questions and then you know um he would uh, use his board and uh we did a uh we call it our the first one he did with us was called our fall eyes and it's a poem that has like you you write about the subject color and where that object is found and it's a five-line poem and then you design these eyeglasses that are, are a, um, sunglasses that are reflecting what you've just written in your poem. And so we got him to do all of poem using his board and finding the words. And then, um, I would, I literally just wrote out everything that he was communicating to me so that he would have it. And then, um, we used his board and this was a great education for my students to see how he flipped from his, um, all the different categories that he has to pull all of these great words. Um, and then I reached out to Erica and she was able to help me. Erica, I know you have a special name for those, the, the pictures that we ended up getting. So what I did was I got, I got some just images off the internet and then some sim-
1: symbols. And I think I printed out, like yeah. let's say it was like green monster. I would print out two different ones and then that way, as he was doing it, he still had the choice of which picture he wanted to glue on there. But you did the hard work of getting that language out of him and then I just got a couple of pictures for you.
2: Well, and it was it was, it was was such an important thing for my students to be able to see um, all the things that were going on in the student's mind, that as we were going through the writing project and the same questions that I'm asking I'm, ask, I'm asking to everybody in the class um, and that he's able to, you know, communicate that even though it is different than the way that they would communicate those words to me.
3: Yeah. And so how did science camp come about? Oh, science camp.
2: So <laughs> um, as we were preparing to do science camp and we were getting all of the kids that I just called Erica in the middle of the day and I said, I just had a I just had a crazy thought and she was like, Okay, tell me. She's I probably there? used to that.
3: I know. I was like, Comes I the territory. To take, <laughs> I was like,
2: I, I wanna take I wanna take him to science camp with us. And she was like, Okay, I need more information. And I said, Okay, I have a list of all the activities that we're gonna be doing. Um and Katie, said, science I, science camp
1: isn't in Phoenix.
2: That's no. what I wanted to know about. What is
1: Science what is, Camp is in Prescott?
2: Three hours away,
3: overnight camp, overnight,
2: yeah. Okay, three days and two
3: nights, and it's like up in the mountains. Yes, up in the mountains. um, And I have to say, it wasn't as accessible as you know any. It's about as accessible as as a campground. (laughs) Yes, Um, (laughs) so there was all um, kinds of challenges there.
2: There were a ton of challenges. Um, We reached out to the student parents um, after we gave like a list of activities. Um, We Eric and I worked together because they didn't feel like they would maybe be able um, to have him spend the night for both nights. And so in communication with his parents, we narrowed down like looking at all the activities and like this is the day like this is um, because it's really you drive up there and you're there for half day and then you go to sleep and then You're there for a full day of activities. And then that third day is really just another half day. So it was really important to us that um, he was there for the full day, as much as he could do. And so we sort of looked at those activities of what we were going to be doing on that long day. Um, And we even did some rearranging with some of the other groups to make sure that the activities that my class would be participating in would be the most accessible to him. the other thing was his the willingness of his parents um because this was no small feat to get him up there and um to you know we started talking about the different um since, like they were going to use a special kind of stroller that he really liked um and it's the coolest stroller ever like it has this big knobby mountain tires and they were able to get him through the woods and um his parents were such troopers just you know, they they wanted him there as much as we all did, and um, I mean, he we started we started fire. Um, we went we did orienteering as we um, pushed you know pushed the chair through through the woods and and ping ponged between trees as we got our clues. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think. We did. Um, oh, we built um, a survival shelter, um, and this student, we were able to um, um, put have him hold materials as we wheeled him over to where we were building this, and so that um, he was a part of that. Um, it was such an it was such an incredible time with him.
3: It, it sounds- really was so amazing. And I mean, like I, yeah. I know the family at the home and there was such anticipation around it and there, everything about that was just electrifying. And I have to say what I do know is that when his birthday rolled around in um, March, I think it is, um, yeah. he he only had typical kids at his birthday party.
0: He invited
3: lots of people. He invited lots of people, but only the, only the kids from his, um, his typical peers actually came. And he, he was one of those kids back when, back in the day, when he was little, he would talk about birthday parties and wanting to be invited to a birthday party and wanting to be wanting to go to a birthday party. And, and then he, he does not, um, he doesn't really eat by mouth much. So, you know, it was like, Oh, you know, there's a, there's an assumption maybe that these kids couldn't do whatever's happening at the party or that they, um, or that he can't eat cake or like, I don't know, he's going to feel left out if he comes. But I mean, that group of general ed students were so close to him and they were showing up for his birthday party. And it was so, so special. And I know it has to do with, the time that you guys took in building those relationships. Well,
1: the kids is, they're they're in sixth grade now and they are still so close to him. And he's lucky to have a few of those kids in his class right now. And a few of them were separated as happens over the years. They're in different classrooms, but I know I know they'll never forget that bond that they have with him.
3: Yeah. That's so sweet. And so I know you have an extra um some extra challenging um pieces with the t- student you're including now and erica i'd love I'd love to tell you um what was in the paper. I'd love for you to explain you just you just got this kiddo this year, right? No, oh, you've had him I,
1: so I actually got him in my class the same year that miss Herzberg's student started um okay. virtually. And the student that we're discussing now had never been in a general education environment ever, other than maybe the cafeteria. And it's because he has some pretty significant neurological deficits and not a malicious child, but a child that has impulse control issues. And when I gesture like a tornado on the go, that's how he was. And he's ambulatory. He walks. Yes, he does. He, yeah. wa- he goes very fast. He runs, <laughs> he runs. And so that, year. Year, year. that virtual mainstreaming was really difficult for a lot of kids. For him, it was the greatest blessing because I kept him in my classroom. I had him in a chair next to me. I had a table full of toys and that's how we started. I was able to get him to sit for 10 minutes virtually. And I always had the camera on his face so that the class never saw the table full of toys that we had. They fell in love with the child that year, as did the teacher. And every time we came on the teacher would say to her class, say hello to Mrs. Marsh and our friend. And from that moment on those kids were so attached to him. And the following year, I brought him out to recess. So he went out to recess with them every day. And that's perfect for him because he is on the go. He loves recess, but then the challenge came with how do we get him into a classroom? We had tried in the afternoon and it was a complete disaster. I said, he's not ready. And I actually had an academic coach pushing me. Let's, let's try it one other way. And so then I talked to that teacher again and we did it first thing in the morning when the bell rang. We use a picture card. He grabs his picture card of the teacher He went to the classroom, he put it on his desk. He had a whole communication system set up on his desk and we got him to sit for seven minutes. So he did the flag salute with an AC device. He stayed for attendance, the the bully pledge, anti-bully pledge. And then when the class lined up for their specials, that was his cue that he could get up and go back um, to the classroom with me or with the aide. And we kept that going for the remainder of the year. But did you
3: tell me that like when he came that the suggestion was to like strap him to a chair? And I mean, it was, you were appalled.
1: So, so when I got him, that was what was already in place, right? That, That was already in place. And so I've had him for two and a half years now and we've been working to reprogram the brain and he's proven to me that it's, it's, it's possible. You can retrain a brain, um, if you put the effort into it, the commitment into it. So yeah, he sits, he sits in a regular chair, a lot of support, a lot of adult support still a lot of pictures in place. Also a child that like couldn't communicate. And this was even with like some therapists who said we tried pictures for years and like, he can't communicate. I think I'm frozen again. No, you're not. You're good. No, but I do want
0: to say to our listeners, you said couldn't communicate in quotes. Um, okay. For those
1: who are yes. listening, yes, like, yeah. we tried. We tried more and all done, or yes and no. For years, we tried food and drink. For years, like there's there's no communication. This child communicates so clearly with his board, and he combines it with signs. And so he'll point to his water, and we'll say, "Not time for water yet." And then he'll say, "More." We we'll go, "Muh, muh." water, he points to his water picture and then he finds please. And so he's determined, he is determined to communicate. And when we don't accept, or when we turn him down after just like touching a picture, like he will go then to find whatever total communication he needs to get his point across. And, uh, Brendan, you would come in. I think you took a few pictures, but I base, I made him a communication binder based on a communication device. So there's four categories on the front, basic categories. And then if he picks like, um, you know, my body needs, then it goes to a page and it's custom for him. We'll turn into to a page where it says like, I need squeezes, I need a chewy, I need to go on a bike ride. And so, yeah, so this is the student that probably a lot of people didn't believe in his abilities because his impulse control just took over. That's all you could see was his his inability to control impulses and sit and learn. And so some, some days are more successful than others, but he's in Miss Herzberg's room now. And he can't wait when that bell rings, he grabs her picture and he gallops down the hallway. He's like, she said, sometimes he's the first one there. He knows right where to sit. And I think he makes it up to 15 minutes now. That's double what we were doing last year.
3: Sure. So, so what does the desk look like? I'm sorry. So What does the desk look like? How many icons are on his desk or what was that? Is that the book you're talking about or do you have a, you know, something taped to his desk?
1: Yes, he has the icons taped to his desk and it's the ones that you can really use for anything. If you're asking him an opinion question or if you like something, I think we have the basic yes, no, and Katie, you might remember better than me, it's either more and all done or I like, I don't like. Yep. But then he has um, reminder cards for behavior. So if he starts mm-hmm. to sit up, we have a card on his desk that says sit and you just have to remind him that he's still, he's still sitting.
2: Yep, and that it's still time. And I would say that some days were even up to, um, I believe one day because I I think I literally teared up. I, was, I watched the clock um, while he's in there, because I think we're going to get 60 more seconds today. We are, we're going to do it. And, um, and one day we got up to, it was like just over 19 minutes. And I was like, yes. And then, um, the next day we dropped back down and I was like, Oh, I hope we didn't like wear him out. But I keep telling Erica, I'm like, we, we can do more this year. Like we can get him, even if it's that it's, 18 minutes in the morning, we can bring him back in the afternoon. Like, um, I want I, I keep I want him to I want him to be there for for longer.
0: I I love that I'm hearing, you know, that it's not like it's all or nothing inclusion. You're you're saying like we're gonna meet this student where he's at and what where his needs are, and we're gonna do it. We're measuring seconds sometimes to see progress, right? And it's doubled, even though, you know, it doubled from seven minutes, which is a really big deal for the student. But it's not like he's in there all day or he's out. And then I'm also hearing. So you're you, you are obviously both very responsive. Um, and I know that you have a partnership. I'm curious about what your planning is like. So for the teachers who are out there thinking, I'm going to do this, but how do I find the time? And when do we get to talk about this student? Um What does that look like for you guys?
2: Um, I would say, um, and and I don't mean this as like a, like a shining spot on um, Mrs. Hershberg, but I, because this is my heart um, and I love, love this so much. um, I'm always like, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, You know, this is what we're going to be doing while he's in class. Uh, And um, Erica is great to, uh, to respond like, okay, here's how, okay, here's how I think we can help adapt this, this activity or, or things like that. Um, Is that okay. a weekly check-in
3: or a daily check-in? Um, Erica, what do you say? I would so say it depends
2: this, kind of on the week.
1: Yeah. With the student this year, there's not as many like novel things coming up. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same. It's morning bell work. He has his own little like writing activities, attendance. And so it's really not the most engaging engaging time. I occasionally will still get to go with him. And I can see that he has his own little routine with Ms. Herzberg in the classroom. Like she comes over, she'll say, I'll hold the marker, you pull the cap. And it was just a really amazing interaction. There's not a whole lot to discuss at this time until we're able to, I think, build up more time. But with the student that she had for the two years in a row, I felt like, it just required more collaboration. And we were we were in the same building that first year.
2: The first year we were, yeah. And, and so
1: um, I would say we had um, daily check-ins and yeah. it was more casual or I'd catch her in the courtyard and she say, we're doing a science experiment or you're doing a, a gorilla, the I the Ivan story yeah. journal. And I would say, okay, I'll get you some pictures so that he can complete the journal also i would say i would say on average it's probably like a weekly check-in i have three sixth graders this year and so i'm working closely with sixth grade and the other day we were supposed to sit with our teams at a meeting and i kind of joked i'm like should i go sit with sixth grade like (laughs) that's why i spend the most time with it feels like and really, I, I wear all those hats like sixth grade always makes me a, a T-shirt at the end of the year for like the end of the year um, clap out and everything. And so I really do get to play the role of a lot of teachers, a lot of grade level teachers. But in sixth grade, there are more things that are coming up. There might be they're doing like um, a college presentation about like people's experiences in college. And that's also on my notes to mention, like the teacher might approach me and say like, I don't know if this would interest them or not. And most of the time I say, well, let's go for it. Let's try it. Thank you for even giving them enough credit to think that it's something you should even offer. And side note, the the student that Katie had for two years, his mom said something to me that impacted me and changed how I look at things because I, at first with, if I knew there was a substitute that day, like I might keep a student back. And she said like, I want him to experience everything, even if it's crazy and like the sub is yelling at everyone and things are falling apart. And she's like, I want him to experience it. And that changed things for me. Like sometimes I know my mainstreaming teachers don't put in their their sub notes at this time, the students coming in and the teacher looks quite shocked when, when my students walk in. But I'm like, that's so cool that they got to be a part of it and like experience it that way. But your yeah, original great. question is collaboration. I would say collaboration is weekly and it's, it's not, it's not in depth. Like once you get the hang of the student and how to ask the questions and how to, it became, it becomes very natural, I think, to accommodate mm-hmm. just going through the lessons.
0: Did either of those students have a paraeducator in that gen ed class? With the them?
2: The one this year does have a para educator with him, um, and the student that I mainstreamed for two years um, had his is it, it his nurse? A nurse. Yep, a nurse would come with him, um, and that was my first. That was my first experience through all of the things that I've done is having a, a home care nurse come and be with the student. Um, talk about. Uh, Amazing thing, and so important for those families to have because if you don't have um, the right nurse, as I experienced with that student, um, it can it can change their involvement um, in the classroom, in my you know in the mainstream classroom. So,
0: mm hmm, right. So, um, oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say that all of my students um, require an adult to be with them, and sometimes I'll be in the rotation, too. There's one student in fifth grade that also, I would say, um, is equivalent to Miss Herzberg in many ways in the effort she puts forth, and she actually knew the family uh, outside of school, which even helped that relationship even more. But sometimes we just don't have the staffing, so they don't all have their own Power is assigned to them. It okay. is a juggling act, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's sometimes it's a dif- difficult juggling act. And with this other this little girl, she's in fifth grade. Sometimes the o- sometimes the only way to get her to fifth grade is to see if the gen ed teacher will supervise her, and then walk her back afterwards. And same thing for getting her to library class is having the librarian supervisor and then walk her back, handheld walking. It's not a student that is independent by any means. And that's progress. That's progress in the relationships we're making on our campus. When you get to that point where the general education teacher wants them in that class and to be a part of it so badly, they will make arrangements to get the student there, keep them there and then even safely get them back
0: -hmm.
1: they all all require some sort of adult support right
0: but it sounds like when you have the student in the classroom they're not doing something different in the back with that adult when everybody else is doing an activity you're Mm -hmm. saying that student is right there at their desk doing part of the part of the group even though there is an adult for what they need to be there for but that's
2: correct so i think that that's i think that that's um I, I don't know that it would be inclusion mm-hmm. without that, um, right? It, mm-hmm. it, even though the the, the student that I'm mainstreaming this year, um, you know, when my students come in, they have um, my gen ed students they have um, like a math warm up on their desk. Obviously, the student I'm mainstreaming this year does not have a, a math warm up on his desk, but he has an assignment on his desk, and he's sitting there and um, I'm not one of those teachers that like requires everybody to be like super quiet. and um, So I encourage a lot of like group talking and um, he, so they're asking him questions when he's coming in and, um, you know, he's, he's just one of the game. And um, even my students, I have to go back to like us watching the clock because sometimes when the student will, you know, get up and we'll be like, sit down, like, let's stay like my kids now at that group will start pointing to his, you know, to his communication cards, like, like, no, it's not like, cause they all know. I'm like, okay, guys, our goal, our goal is this many minutes. And so they know that, that we want him there longer and longer. Um, and so they will try to help out and some days that's successful. Um, and some days it's not like some days he doesn't make it his full time.
3: You know, one of the things that people say about inclusion <clears throat> is that, everyone benefits.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: So um, what are some ways that your general ed students have benefited from having some of these complex um, bodies in your classroom that, that maybe adults would say are disruptive or maybe, um, you know, people would say, well, why aren't they just going to specials with you? You know, right. that, do we need to interrupt academic time or I don't know what the naysayers are all saying now, but I know that um, people doing inclusion well often say that everyone benefits. And I and I want to know how have the, your general ed students benefited from inclusion? Okay, I'll let well,
1: Katie talk about that and then maybe I can comment on how it's how I've seen it benefiting some of the teachers.
3: Yes, okay. please. All right, so Katie.
2: You go first. But, for our for for my general ed students, um, I would say that they get to every one of these um, children that we have the opportunity to mainstream in our rooms is bringing with them a set of gifts that um, We as the general ed classroom get to tap into so um, the The way that they communicate the Um, it's, and it's a, they are a gift to my students as well, that they get to see the different ways that they communicate. Um, I think it teaches my students empathy. Um, I think it teaches them to slow down, like as people, because, um, the things that they are second nature to them, that they can just click, click, click and get through, um, they have, they need to slow down and they need to um, think about another person's needs. They are learning various ways to communicate. Um, You know, the student that I had for two years, um, that communication board, first of all, I think all the boys in my classroom at first thought that it was a video game and they were like, this is so cool that he has this. And then they were like, no, it's my turn to sit next to him. Like, I want to see him flip from category to category and and pick out these words. Um, I think it also teaches them to focus. Um, my gen my gen ed students to focus in a in a different way. I think it, it requires them to access different skills than they need to with their gen ed friends, um, which is it. why I and them the um, Miss Marsha students being mainstreamed into our room is a gift for for my for my students absolutely for sure and for me. I love, I love it. I don't know, like I could, I could be in both worlds all the time. I just, I love it.
1: All right, so I was gonna comment on how I've seen it affect the staff. And I just had to write down the numbers. We have 13 students this year between our two classrooms and 12 of them require to be um, transported using either a wheelchair or like a a walker that an adult needs to put two hands on. So 12 out of our 13 kids require somebody to push them. Mm -hmm. And we have eight staff members, that's including the one-on-one nurses. So if you do the math, we can't get to places on our own. And like Brenda said, we won't back down because these are our kids and the principal, he is on board with this. He continually uses that phrase they're our kids. And Mm -hmm. so we have a schedule where somebody from the office, somebody from the computer lab, like whatever teachers are available are built into the schedule. And they, we successfully get to and from things on campus because we're never gonna miss out just because we don't have enough hands. And occasionally I'll be doing kind of a little bit of like a handheld and a pushing for um, safely with a, um, a walker and things will fall apart right there in the middle of the campus on the sidewalk. One will drop, one is like going off. I have never been abandoned. There are Jenna teachers who just know that these are our kids and they, they come running over, which one do you want me to take? There is no fear. Whereas I feel like even years and years ago before we got this real inclusive environment on campus, Like somebody would look from a distance and see a student at like a flight risk running off and they would just stand back they didn't know what to do and i've seen a change just in in teachers attitudes um, with helping out and, and becoming involved and i this one student that katie has this year when we first got him into the classroom last year for seven minutes this teacher celebrated that success and like katie said like it makes you slow down a little bit slow down and realize that seconds or minutes are successful and seeing that in in all all groups of students all all populations of students sometimes you need to celebrate those little successes and then the student that katie had for the two years the one that brenda's most familiar with Um, His mom has seen quite a few teachers over the years with mainstreaming. And we've had ones that just didn't really work. And part of that was, was me still learning. And then some of the environments he's thrived in. And his mom, she said, she, she picks her battles like the hill she's going to die on on what's most important and what's not. And so there was one teacher one year who didn't quite get it at the same level That Katie gets it and she said you know what this teacher she still has a lot to learn from her child (laughs) and this made a big difference to me because I was so afraid that this parent was going to be upset that the teacher didn't exactly say the right words and the right phrases and sound just like Katie because nobody can sound just like Katie she wasn't (laughs) upset at all she just said this teacher what a gift this teacher still has a lot to learn from her son and i think that's i think that's the the joy and the success for the for the genet teachers to see them be able to play a role in all of that and Brent here i think you, you probably know the I scenario the i definitely
3: letter. do i can barely even not say, say anything but i won't but i yeah i mean first of all that mom's um, background is teaching so i do think that there's some um, empathy there for for all teachers And she is very much like, I, just like his typical brother, I want him to come home and be pissed that the substitute teacher messed up his day, like everyone else, right? And just like her typical son, if he had a teacher that he didn't like, that mom was not advocating to move her typical son out of that classroom. So she was not going to model that in any other way for her other son or other children, I should say. So, you know, there's such equity there. And I think I learned from her too, lots of times where it's just like, no, um, having the perfect situation isn't life. So that is not the goal of inclusion is perfection. The goal inclusion is, is, is kind of like, um, despite the messy, we do it right. And we do it for for seven minutes if that's what it's going to do. And, um, then they have those general ed experiences. They have, it. we don't even know how much our kids learn from all the things that go wrong. So it goes wrong. And I mean, and, and like you said, the, the teachers grow, right? The teachers grow. So, um, we are asking everyone this is last question we are asking everyone who's on here because i have sarah and i have done sarah and i have done webinars for years and years and years and we decided that people are probably tired of our perspective <laughs> they've always they know ours So this is a perspective series in our podcast. And so the perspective today is from um, educators on inclusion. So what our question with everyone is, what do you want people to know about? And then for you all, what do you want people to know about inclusion from the teacher's perspective? If you're just talking to another special ed teacher who wants to try it, or if you're talking to another general ed teacher who hasn't done it yet. Um, Katie, you go first, and then, and then um, Erica, just tell us, um, what do you want people to know? So
2: I actually took notes on this question because I was like, there's so much, Katie, so like narrow it down because yeah, they have a time limit, I'm sure. Um, one is these students are the best asset to your classroom um, and to your gen ed students. Um, two, it makes me a better teacher um, adapting to the different students that are, that are coming in um three look for the cans instead of the limits like look search for the they can and don't search for the limitations because i promise you they are capable of way more than you ever thought possible um don't be afraid to try new things um i have something to add to that and you said that sometimes we fail i had the student that i had for two years i I really wanted him to be a part of the science experiment, but I did not know that he um has a gag reflex. And okay. so we were
0: doing
2: this we were doing this experiment where you had to see how many droplets you could drop onto a penny and how many it would hold. I did not know that he had such a strong gag reflex. And I um, gave them these little cups um, of water, and apparently it was a um I'm gonna say a core memory from like being at the dentist, like it, somehow his mom felt that he related it to being at the dentist. And so I was like, here's what we're gonna do. And then the gag reflex just started and his nurse was like, nope, you are not getting out of this. Like this we're you're not being asked to drink this. We are going, this is what the experiment. And so she and I together helped work him through that. And then he would use that later in the year to try to get out of doing things that he didn't want to do, like any student would, right? Like, um, like, oh, this kind of made Mrs. Herzberg pause for a minute, so I'm going to use this the next time. I don't want to use them. I don't want to color, or I don't want to do something. And he would start doing the, the little gag reflex, and I'd be like, not today, sir, <laughs> not today. We are still doing this activity. Um, and then no, the last d-
3: basically like, don't be afraid to say no. I mean, yep. you know, they're not in there for you to just be like, Oh yes, you can do whatever you want. Right. Freedom, like another student. Yes. Um, and
2: the last thing is model for your gen ed students, how you like, they're always going to work off of your reaction. Mm-hmm. So if you're worried of how, um, or you're hesitant with a student who's being mainstreamed in your room, your students, your gen ed students are going to be hesitant as well. And so you need to jump in and know that you're going to make mistakes. Um, and you, it's okay. Cause you need to learn from them.
0: Sure. I love those. Katie, that is great.
3: Yeah. All right, Baby's Erica. Coming. All right,
1: Katie, that was amazing. I think that summarizes it. I I have a few more things from my perspective. At the beginning of the year, we get our special schedule and the list of teachers per grade. It doesn't change a whole lot, which teachers teach which grade. And so I start with that. And it is a tremendous amount of work figuring out where I can send kids for specials, how I can get them in the classroom, how I can get the paras there, the support that they need. If you do it right from the very beginning and you have those kids start on day one, it makes it so much easier in the end. Don't put it off. Don't, don't wait until I'm going to wait until second quarter when things are settled. If you, if you put the work into it initially, that's the hardest part. And then you make little changes as you go. And I, I always like to answer questions that the the teachers have and like the students have right at the beginning and I leave that line of communication open it's, it's they're always can always ask me questions and even on campus like if they stop me to ask me what why they can't walk or what is that device like I will always answer those questions without violating any sort of privacy and when I do my when I do my little presentations I call it like the meet and greet I talk about all of the things that my students could be a part of. And I said, I'll tell them like your teacher has so much going on, they're going to forget things. And so I said, you have a responsibility in this too, when your holiday party is coming up or Valentine's or an assembly, raise your hand and say to your teacher, like, do you think you know this student would like to come? Make sure you invite this student to remind Mrs. Marsh that this is happening. And those students do play a role in it also. Like I give them a little bit of responsibility and sometimes the timing doesn't work out perfectly for getting the kids in the classroom. And I I mean, I at least want to finish up with this example. I have a student who um, appears to be severely disabled in, in every way, motor, vision, language, everything. And when I did the presentation, I said, we don't know exactly what she understands. We don't, and we're going to assume that she does understand it. And so the kids were like, Well, do you think she can come in for science? Do you think she can come in for social studies? And in the end, I have a 20 minute gap where I have a para. And I said to the teacher, like, what are you doing during this time? She was "I'm right. I'm in the right in the middle of uh, social science. And I said, can we try it? Can we do it? And of course she was like, let's do it. I don't care if what you're walking into, what we're in the middle of. Yes, she's coming. And so I just had her go in and leave. And the response was the kids loved it. The class loved it. She walks and they're all saying hi. And then I set her up with a head switch and the teacher pauses and they all wait because it takes her time to process it. She can't see. She knows it there. She feels it. And I will put messages on there for her and her accuracy now. And the smile on her face is nearly perfection. She knows that her class is greeting her. No matter what mood this child is in, she comes back smiling from ear to ear. And that's another one of my really big su- successes because she's not the first one you would think of when it comes to like, how can I get them involved in a classroom?
3: Wow.
2: You are amazing, Erica. You are just amazing. I just.
3: You guys, well, this conversation was so priceless, and um, mm-hmm. we we are so so excited to have it out there in the world, and we're so excited to hear about all the all what we might perceive as small. But I don't know. I mean, everything you guys said feels really big to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm i we are so appreciative of your time today, and uh, we want to honor it. So we're gonna wrap it up. But thank you for sharing how you're doing it. And if we get questions or if we get people saying, hey, I want a little bit more about that, we might figure out another way for you guys to teach a webinar or do more, do more, because um, I have a feeling a lot of people want to experience what you're doing. And um, some people just need a little more um, guidance around how to do that. But I I love it. So thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you.